Don't they do an incredible job of bringing us into the presence of God? And uh, I never get uh, blasé with coming into the presence of God. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? An opportunity that we have just to stand in His presence and be in His presence. And, uh, you know, a big shout out to the creative guys. They spend quite a bit of time praying, practicing. They're here on Wednesdays so that we can create. An atmosphere like that is not just something that happens. You know what I mean? You've got to really draw on God to get that. Amen? So come on, give them a creative team a great hand. They do. And then we begin by praying, God, we thank you for your word. God, we just thank you. We do not waste our time in this place talking the mere wisdom or ideas of man. But we get to draw on your truth. We get to release it. And your word says about your word, it never, ever, ever returns void. There is not a wasted moment when we gaze upon it, when we hear it, when it's explained to us or expanded to us. But it does its work in our lives. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you work in and through the Word, that you, Jesus, are the Word. And we thank you that we get to connect with you this morning and our lives get thrown up against your Word so that your truth would prevail in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Who loves the Word? Who's got their Bible? Raise their Bible up, whether it's an electronic Bible. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Who's got their Bible? Chris Thompson. I'm looking for someone with a, a paper Bible. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're the first one. Look at you too. So, uh, Chris, I want you to come up here. Matthew chapter 1. <laughs> Sunday school. It's exactly what it is. And uh, I want you to read Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 to 17. I want you to get every single name right. <laughs> come and stand here. Are you ready? I'm not, I'm not the one being paid to do this. You're on the clock, not me. 1 to 17, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, yada, 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 18. All right. No. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez. And Zeruiah by Tamar, and Perez begot Hazron, and Hazron begot Ram. If I say these things fast enough, you will not be able to correct me or question whether I'm getting it wrong. I don't think so. Hey. Oh, I know I can do it. And Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amenabab. Amenadab. Sorry, begot. So apologies for the Amenadabs in the room. Amenadab begot. Uh, we got Nashon. Nashon we got Shalom or Salom. Salom we got Boaz. Don't go correcting me as if you're up here trying to do it. All right. Boaz we got Rahab. Boaz we got Obed by Ruth. Obed we got Jesse, and Jesse we got David. Did I pronounce that correct, eh? David. Is that sorry? Apologise. 
That's a 12th man joke. Um, I bet we got Ruth, and Ruth we got Jesse. Jesse we got David, the king. David, the king, we got Solomon, who uh, by her, by her, whom had been the wife of Uriah. Sorry, Solomon we got Rehoboam. Rehoboam we got Adjir. Oh, okay, I'm not gonna pronounce that one. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that person we got Asa. Actually, these transliterations, I could, if you give me some time, I could tell you the Hebrew words of these ones, but I'm not going to. These are called transliterations. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. That's a good one. Jehoshaphat begot Joram. Joram was a king who, he's the missing link in the old, between the Old and New Testament. Keep that in mind. All right? If you're wondering why the, the bloodline continued on. I'm just delaying it while I have to filter through. Thanks, Gareth. It's a good man, Gareth. No matter how poorly I do, he'll always pat me on the back. He's shaking his head. And now I've lost my place. So where was I? I think I was about 17, wasn't I? That was about the end of it. Oh, uh, radio. Jerem, uh, Jerem begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham. Jotham begot Ahaz. Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh. Manasseh begot Ammon. And Ammon begot Josiah again. Dear me. One of your, one of your kids here. Josiah begot, I'm not going to pronounce that one. Go on. Jehoiakimah. Thank you. I was, yeah, that's good. Look at me. Yeah, she knows what's going on. Yep, I've lost where I was again. And his brothers, about the time that they were carried away to Babylon. There we go. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jehoiakimah begot, oh, wow. Shelaiah and Shelaiah. Look at this bloke. He's being paid to do this. <laughs> Shealite begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abudu. <laughs> Abudu begot Elkalim, and Elkalim begot Azor. Azor begot Zodak. Zodak begot Achim. Achim begot Il- Ilud. Ilud begot Elazar. Elazar begot Matham. People who are correcting me, I can hear what you're saying. Oh, it's up there. Oh, my goodness. Those of you who don't have a real Bible can close your eyes and try to do it by memory, all right? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Elud begot Elazar. Elazar begot Matham. And Matham begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations from David until the captivity of Babylon. In Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. There ends the lesson. <laughs> wow. Aren't you lucky you didn't get that poison chalice? No, that was beautiful. That was beautiful, Chris. Well done. Took a while, but we got there. (laughs) This morning I want to speak on generations. Yeah. Generations. I mean, it's interesting to to see that the, the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament, talks about generations. Starts with. Amen. If you're a New Testament believer, give, it, give me a wave. I think for us as believers, we need to realize that God thinks generationally. Come on. God thinks generationally. God doesn't just look at us and just think us. Most of us in the room, if we're, actually, if we're really good, we're going to think about ourselves, maybe our, 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 our spouse. We'll think about our kids. And then... Generally, it stops there, right? We think about that circle, but God never does. God thinks way beyond what we think. And I think it's a big truth for us to understand that God is thinking 
a completely different way. I want to put it a different way. I think you need to understand the concept of how God works. See, God isn't just thinking us. For you and I in this place, quite often we get our heads around that. We just think, we think that God wants to bring things into us. But God doesn't think that way. God wants to bring things through you, not just to you. Come on, let that sink in for a moment. God wants to bring things through you, not just to you. See, we live in a world where everything is built around things coming to us. But that's contrary to how God works. When God sees you, he looks into you. He looks into your kids. He looks into the generations coming. He sees way into the future. And when he thinks purpose, he's thinking purpose, your part in a great master plan. Where we just think, God, God, I really just need you to pay this bill this week. God, I really need you just to bring what, you, what I'm, I'm, I'm believing for right now. We might have a list of things in our life that are going to make our life better now, but the reality is God isn't thinking that way. God will do whatever it takes to think generationally through your life. Amen? I think when we get our heads around this, when we understand this, we actually open up a whole different way of living. Your life is not just about yourself. It never has been. It never will be. Your prayers aren't and shouldn't be just about you. Your prayers should be tapped into the fact and the understanding and the knowledge that God is working through you, not just to you. So I want you to go with me. We're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. And look out, one of my favorite Bible heroes. Who loves King David in this place? I'm sure most people have David as one of their favorites. And I love the way that we can look at this story and we can see this attitude. We can see how God works and thinks through David. I started with the book of Matthew simply because from there it actually talked about Jesus coming from the line of David. Amen? That fulfilled prophecy, but it's also the way God thinks. In 2 Samuel, we find David's in a good place. He's in the land of Israel during his reign. The book of Samuel, 2 Samuel, it talks about the 40 years of his reign. It's about 10, 11 to 9, 71 BC. And David's in a good place. His enemies around him have been quietened, and he's got a house, and he's just chilling. And he's got a, a, a prophetic, a prophet at that time called Nathan, who's, who's also around at the moment. And what we, what we tap into is a conversation that David is having with Nathan, and then Nathan also gra- grabs a hold of God and starts to deliver a word to King David. So 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. You got your Bible? follow it behind me, I'm sure. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around that the king said to Nathan, the prophet, see now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tents and curtains. 
And we understand that that stage, the presence of God dwelt in a tabernacle, which was a tent that was carried around from place to place. But straight away we see God's heart. How many people in this room, if you had a beautiful house and realistically everything you wanted in the natural and you had peace with your family and everyone around you, that would be the end of it, right? For a lot of people in life, that's it. You've arrived. The kids aren't fighting. The relatives aren't fighting. No one's coming up against you. The boss loves you. Uh, the neighbors love you. It's all, at, at, it's all well, and your house is beautiful. It's made of cedar. It's looking incredible. You're all rested, and you think, well, God's blessed me. Man, I'm awesome. But that's not what David's heart was. He's sitting in a place where I think out there, the world says if you get beautiful home, beautiful things, and you're just resting, and everyone around you is happy, and you're not fighting any big battles, you should, that's it, you should take your last breath and die. It's perfect, that's all there is to life. But David, what do we hear from him? Straight away, David is not talking that way at all. He starts to talk about something in his house. He said, in his heart, sorry, he says, but the ark of God dwells inside a tent, a curtain. So straight away, David has a heart for much more than just himself. He's like, you know what? I'm here. All my enemies are stopped. God's favor is on my life. I've got this great possession. I've got a great house. But you know what? I know God's heart is to dwell in a temple and it's not happened. I've got to do something about it. I, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. When you think generationally, you're never going to be satisfied with where things are at. Come on. You're going to realize that God wants to use your life for something greater than yourself. Come on. You're going to, you're going to think, you know what? It's not about a bless me club. It's about what can God do. I'm blessed to be a blessing. That's the attitude over my life. I'm not blessed for me. I'm blessed for others. Amen? See, David straight away was looking and thinking, and, and his heart was completely tuned into this. Let's keep reading. And then, then Nathan said to, to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart. This is Nathan talking in the natural. For the Lord is with you. He's like, yeah, I love your heart, David. You want to build the house of God. You want to do something for God. But it happens, it says, verse 4, that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelled in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Whenever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, I, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? What God is saying, I, I, I've always wanted a house. I haven't always said it, but David's just said it. I love that. David was tapped into the heart of God. Do you hear the passion when God's talking? God's actually saying, you know what? It's my purpose to have a house, a place where my presence can dwell, something that's not portable, wandering around some tacky tent. I want a temple. I want somewhere where people see the glory of their God. Amen? And I love that David had already tapped into the purpose that God had for his life. Amen? You know, we need to, we need to be praying and asking and opening our hearts to find out what God wants to do through us, not just to us. 
Amen? That changes the way you connect with God. It changes the way you come into church. If you walk in that door and you're just thinking, to me, you're like, where's my coffee? Where's my seat? Is the worship going to be good? hope my favorite songs are on. Is my favorite worship leader singing? Is this going to be right for me? Is the air conditioning working? Hmm. Is it this? Is it that? Is it what? Is it at the kids club? Is it going to be good? What have you? When it's through you, it's just different. It's like you walk in the door and you're like, I wonder what God's going to do to use me today. I wonder what I can say to someone. I wonder what God's purpose, what purpose is going to come out of my life today. I wonder how, who I can encourage God, use me to encourage someone, to speak into someone, to allow someone to experience God through me. Amen? Let's keep reading. David was thinking generationally. He had a heart thinking God's way. A generational thinker is not someone who's just thinking down the track. The thinking that God used me in every aspect of my life. Now, therefore, verse 8, Thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, have cut off all your enemies from before you have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. You know, the byproduct is when you think God used me, God is still going to bless you and protect you. It's a byproduct. Amen? God's heart is always to bless you because that's his nature. You don't have to beg for that. That's God's nature. God is faithful. Everything good comes from the Father of lights. That's his nature. He doesn't think evil for you. He thinks good for you. That's his nature. He can't. He's not thinking nasty. If he's going to discipline you, it's for your good. Amen? But his nature is like that. And when we tap into his purpose, when we say, God, use my life. God, use me. God, I want to think generationally. I don't want to just make decisions for now. I want to make decisions that affect people 100 years from now, including the people in my family. The fact is, God, you don't have to qualm over whether God's going to bless you. God lists here. He says, look at the things I've done. Be encouraged. God is interested in us. But God is dedicated to his purpose in and through us more than he's just want to get stuff to us. And that's why sometimes your prayers don't work out. Because <laughs> he's thinking through you, not to you. Sometimes if you don't get that and you're going, God, why can't I do? Why can't I move from this job? Because God's thinking through you because maybe there's a bunch of people. Maybe there's a boss. Maybe there's some circumstance that needs to change at work because he's thinking through you. And you're going, why is it so tough and so hard? Because maybe that hard situation is trying to change something in you and bring about a greater level of faith or a greater dependence on God for your next level. When you think through you, it's completely different to to you. You walk into every situation saying, use me, God. And you stand in a negative, and you don't just think negative, you think positive. I love the Apostle Paul. He says, oh, I love my trials. Bring them on. He said, because he stands firm, and he goes, because they are the testing of my faith. What an attitude. That's like, 
Okay, I've got a bad boss. Okay, I've got the situation. Okay, I've got some debt. Well, what's it doing? What's it doing? It's teaching me faith. So maybe out of this testimony, my kids and generations to come are going to have a faith testimony in the family because of this situation. Amen? See, when we just think to us, then we stop the flow. We just stop how God wants to work. It's a long way to those stairs. Wow, Stairmaster, I just did almost joined the rings just there. If you've got an Apple Watch, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Verse 10, Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them. Listen to this, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel. See, God wanted to use David to fulfill his desire for his people. Didn't he? God was looking for a beautiful, faithful man that was thinking, God, use me so that he could set his people free. God's not just thinking about you. He's thinking about those around you. Amen? And sometimes we just don't, we, we, we just miss that. I got to tell you as a senior pastor, you do not build a church for yourself. If you are thinking, I want to get rich and have a very peaceful life, I'm going to go be a senior pastor and start a church, think again. If you want the byproduct of God blessing you as you build it and you see God build into your life and build into your family and you have purpose over your life, but you get to change. But yes, if you get to see lives change, if you get to see the kingdom of darkness push back as you build something for the kingdom of God, absolutely. But if you want to sit somewhere just having peace and quiet and TV and Netflix and what have you, it ain't a church. I can tell you. That's not how it works. Greatest thing I've been called to. I love it. And I love this last part. Verse 11. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you, David, to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. I'll just throw that in there peace and quietness and tranquility and favor all around you and boom, a big house made of cedar. Oh yeah, of course, you'll get that. That comes with the job. God has his people in his, on his mind. You know, I've come to realize that God is thinking through us, not to us. He's interested in using me for other people's futures and for the generations to come. Amen? When we realize that, it begins, we begin to work with God sometimes, not against God. Amen? Because it actually affects what you do with your money. It affects you do with, with what you do with your time. It affects what you do with your talents. It affects what you do with your attitude. It affects everything. When you think that way, it affects everything. It doesn't just become your priorities get actually shoved around, turned around, and they come down differently. 
because you're thinking generationally. How is God going to work through me to affect everyone around me, including my kids? And I love with his heart, verse 12, when your days are fulfilled, I love this, and you rest with your fathers, this is the God talking to David, I will set up your seed after you, whom will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. How important is the next generation? We've got to think that. We've got to realize that our lives have that um, on us. We have that mandate. Verse 13, he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 14, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. In that one, well, those two verses, God is talking about Solomon, and he's talking about Jesus, because he thinks generationally. He's looking through David. He's looking through into Solomon. He's looking through Solomon. He's looking through all the Abinadads and the whoever, all the way through to Jesus. He's thinking generationally. In one, two verses, he's looking straight through David, through a prophet, straight through to Jesus. All in one split second of two verses, because God thinks that way through you. He thinks that way when he looks at you. He thinks straight through you. Amen? He looks straight into the generations coming and what they're going to do and how they're going to unpack this earth. I love my God sees that. That's why sometimes we just don't get God. Sometimes we don't understand. We think he's unfair, but he's not unfair. He's just setting the generations up through us. Is that all right? Verse 14 to 7, he says, I will be your father and he shall be my son. Who's he talking about? Jesus. I mean, David's probably going, what? Huh? What's he talking about? Nathan, what are you talking about? He's thinking Solomon and and and. God's prophesying through Nathan, Jesus. And he says, if, then he jumps again, if he, if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever according to these words and according to all this vision. So Nathan spoke to David. In that verse, those verses, he starts talking about Jesus and then he starts talking about us because he starts talking about sin and, and iniquity and Jesus never did that, right? So he's talking about the family of God that comes out of Jesus, which is, guess what? It's you. So in this one moment, God is talking through Nathan to David about you. In that one moment, he's looking through all the way to two odd thousand plus years to us in this room. And he's speaking into our lives. And David had a part to play in that. Come on. Come on. The decisions that David made had a part to play in you and me being here today. And did David know it? He would have been going, I don't know, what is he talking about? 
jumping from this to that, talking about sin, iniquity, what have you. He's talking about things I can't get my head around. Verse 16. I love this. It says, Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever, and your throne shall be established forever. He's talking about divanic divine promise that God gave to the house of David. It's a Davidic covenant. From that moment, it was spoken over David's life. And David, he celebrated the faithfulness of God in Psalms 89 verse 34. He says, my covenant I will not violate. This is David talking about God, about him. Nor will I alter the utterance of my lips once I have sworn by my holiness i will not lie to david his descendants shall shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me it shall be established forever like the moon and and the witness in the sky is faithful basically david was just overwhelmed with the fact that from that moment on he had a promise generationally because of david people were blessed and protected because of david's decisions generationally Amen? For time to come. See, what you do affects the generations. Young person, you might think, hold on, I'm just young. No. What you do affects the generations. The decisions that you make affects the generations to come. And every single person in this place has a purpose that God wants to work through for the generations. Can I give you some quick keys to learn from this? Is this all right? Are we still with me? To the person next to you and say, I am blessed. Verse 1 says, when we build a house for God, he continues to build our house. Do you know that David because of the favor, that covenant, because of God's favor on just David, the generations ahead, 1 Kings 11, 12, 53 years after David's death, God did not destroy Solomon because of David. 1 Kings 15, verse 1 to 4, 86 years later, for David's sake, God moved. 2 Kings Chapter 8, verse 16. I've got time to read these. 156 years later, God not, did not destroy Judah because of David. 2 Kings, chapter 19, verse 34 to 35. You can read this later for homework. 300, everyone say 315 years later, God still remembered David and his promise he made to him. God works generationally, friend. God's favor continues from generation to generation. But favor is not a feeling, it's a vehicle. Get that. God's favor is not a feeling, it's a vehicle. We are creating a vehicle for God's favor for the generations. Amen? My house, my attitude, my heart, my devotion to God is creating a vehicle for God's favor to move through my family into the generations. Amen. I'm praying that my kids do incredible exploits way beyond what I could ever think or imagine because of God's promises on my life. Amen. 
I'm creating a vehicle. My life, my heart, my attitude, my responses, my decisions are a vehicle for God's favor. Not a feeling, a vehicle. Sometimes I don't think, I don't feel like doing what I've got to do to sacrifice to allow God to become faithful and build something in my life, but I do it. Amen? We are all called to think like God and allow God to use us for the generations to come. Amen? Many of us just think saved. I'm saved. This week I didn't sin. I'm saved. Got through. Man. Put aside some of that temptation. I just just live saved. It's another week. See how I go next week, Sunday. Sunday I'll get encouraged, and then Monday I'll come. Hold off sin, sin, back off, back off, flesh, back off, just live saved. We've got to think beyond that, amen? It's never just about you. Look at me, young person. The decisions you make in relationships is never just about you. Come on. The decisions you make about your purity about who you are, about standing up for God and your relationships is never just about you. It's about your generations. Amen? Think that. I know it's hard when you're young to think that, but you've got to think that. If you can tap into this, you're going to think differently for the rest of your life. I'll be personal. I didn't sleep with my wife before we got married because I was thinking generations. Not because I didn't want to. Is that all right? Can I say that? Because I knew I wanted God to use my life for great things. And I knew that generations coming, I wanted to set up a standard for life. Is that all right? My last point today, your faith is not just for you. Hebrews 11, let me read this. If you know Hebrews 11, it's a list of all the faith heroes, the the Noahs, the the Abrahams, the incredible list of incredible faithful, faithful people. In verse 13, it says, these, listen to this, after listing all these faith heroes, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come, they would have had opportunity to learn. But now they desire a better That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Do you know when you believe in faith, not every single promise is going to come to pass in your generation. But it will come to pass. There are things I'm believing for in faith over my life that I will never see, but prayerfully my kids will. Amen? Or maybe their kids. Or their kids' kids. 
315 years later, David's favor was still on the family line. Can I just say, every decision you make is not your own. It's owned by the generations. It's owned by the fact that God wants to not just get things to you, but he wants to work through you. When you say no, you're standing for the generations to something that's wrong. When you stand and you have a conviction, you go, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. You're making a decision for the generations. When you step forward and say, by faith, I'm going to do something. I'm going to, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to build a kingdom life. I'm going to build a kingdom business. I'm going, to, I'm going to bring my family to church. I'm going to, maybe that's the level you've got. You're starting for a generation. And you're releasing a blessing in a generation. Because everything, every promise, everything that you make for God has a generational value. Amen? Why don't we stand just for a moment? You know, I sense in the Holy Spirit there is immense, immense purpose in this room. Don't ever just think that that sense of purpose is just about you. <laughs> you've got to be willing, maybe, that that purpose, that purpose is that you've just become a backdrop or a foundation for someone to step off. Amen? And in God's eyes, your purpose is just as great as their purpose. And you're a part of it. Don't underestimate just reading your word and staying faithful to God, being a beautiful man or woman of God, turning up. Don't ever underestimate your purpose, maybe just serving the house of God or, or your career or making finance or raising beautiful children. Don't ever underestimate your purpose in that because you've got no idea what God's doing in and through you for the generations to come. I think what we can own right now is that we, with what we've got, create the best opportunity for those that are coming out from under us. Amen? So in this place, if you want to be used by God for the generations, just raise your hands to God. Come on. Just open your life up. God, I pray for every heart that's open to you in this place today. Every heart that's open. No matter what age in this place, God, no matter what age, that our lives can be used for your purpose. You can work through us for generations to come. Our decisions have an impact. And God, I pray that you would stir us to live worthy of what you've called us to, God. God, that we would, we would consider our choices. We would consider, God, that we would point our lives towards you and keep our lives hungry and wrapped around your word and wrapped around your purposes. Let us be vehicles for favor, for your favor on the generations to come. Let them step off our lives. Let them st step out of the, the, the vehicle we've created and go beyond to make and do 
incredible things across this earth. I thank you for every life in this place. And I thank you for your desire to use us for your purposes. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. One last thing I want to do. If you're in this place and you don't know Christ, every eye closed. If you don't know Christ, today is your opportunity to start, maybe, to start a generation that will come out of you, that will know God, whose name will be upon the house that you live in, the lineage will come from you, that maybe, maybe, you will start a generation that will love God and honor God and give their lives to God because of your decision today. And I pray for anyone in this room, if you have never, if you have never committed your life to Christ, you've never personally asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I'm talking to you in this place. With every eye closed, I'm going to pray a prayer. We do this every week. And I'm going to ask everyone in this room to pray this prayer. And if you're in this place and you, you doubt about your salvation, you doubt that you are a Christian, I want you to pray this prayer sincerely with the rest of us. And I'm just going to believe that you're going to open your life up to Christ today and begin a relationship and start a generation that know Him. Every eye closed, let's pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I accept you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I accept that you died on the cross for me. I accept your forgiveness of all my sin. And I accept your grace and your mercy. I accept today that I'm a child of God, that as your word says, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life that I am a Christian, which means Christ in me. Come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Every eye closed.